Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Good morning. It's good seeing you. <clears throat> Be patient with me today. I, uh, it turned out I didn't have a cold, but I have acute bronchitis, and and they got me on uh, an antibiotic or steroids, and and uh, and then there's some cough syrup that I take. But he says you cannot take this stuff and drive, and you definitely can't take it and preach. And I thought I'd do it for fun, just to you know see what I come up with. But uh, and then I decided not to, because I remember what happened when I was put under when I had my uh, wisdom teeth taken out and said some things. You know, never mind. And um, <clears throat> but. Um, this Thursday, we're starting up our Thursday Bible study for the semester, and it's going to be, I'm ex- so excited about this one, for not, we're going to do a nine-month study on the life of Christ, and it's, it's going to be cram-packed with just excellent, excellent stuff that we're going to be doing, and I'm, I'm co-teaching this with two good friends in our church, uh, Ralph Inlow and Brian Byers. And we're, we are going to co-teach this together. If you've never been to a Thursday Bible study, we meet in here. Uh, usually people show up about 11.45. Uh, we have lunch together, and it's always a great lunch. And then we have a 40-minute Bible study, and we always end right up at 1 o'clock. So if you are work nearby and you get off for lunch, just come on by, and we'd love for you to be a part. So it begins this Thursday. And also a chapel service tonight. If you've not been to a chapel service uh, tonight, uh, we will be having that at 6 o'clock as well. So today, we're doing the second part. We're walking through Romans, uh, not verse by verse, but section by section, different sections. And we've been in Romans chapter 5. And last week, we talked about the, the benefits of believing. And today's the second part of that message and last week, we talked about how we have, when we believe, we have peace with God, we have access to God, we have hope in life, and our problems take on a whole new purpose. And so, in fact, I want to stop there for a moment and kind of talk about God's maturing process that he does in us as believers. Um, suffering, for example, that's literally means distressed or pressure. And Christians will go through problems. You're promised that. Uh, In fact, the test of maturity is how well you and I understand those problems and those pressures and how we respond to those sufferings. Because sufferings will produce perseverance. And so God is maturing us in that. And so then the next part of this is, is this thing called endurance, which is preservation, uh, perseverance and is patience. Uh, the Bible has a whole lot to say about endurance. In fact, in the New Testament, it has a lot to say about endurance because that counts, uh, because what counts are not those who start, but those who finish. I mean, how many times have you seen somebody do so well through life and, and then when they get down near the end, they just, 
have a major disaster. I've seen that time and time again in pastors who have just amazing uh, ministries and then they're getting down to the last 10 yards of their ministry and they just blow it. They just make horrible decisions and, and mistakes and that always breaks my heart when I see that. Um, so what counts are those who, who make it for the long haul and commit themselves and they dig in for the duration and, uh, and there's really no other way to learn endurance except through your problems. Um, you can't learn it any other way, I don't believe. You cannot learn to endure if you have nothing to endure. You have to learn through the persever uh, perseverance. Now, that begins to do the third thing, and that is to build character, which is a proven character. This, this is actually a rare term in the New Testament. Uh, Paul is the only one who uses it, and he uses it seven times. He's talking about proven character. It's a word that is used to describe metals that have been purified through fire. And uh, so the metal has been proven. It has proven character because it's been purified. All the impurities are taken out of the metal, so it makes it stronger and, uh, or makes it um, more valuable. So it's, it's, the metal has been put under pressure. So when God develops character in you, he allows pressure to come that removes the impurities. And so when we see it, that God's at work in me, that helps me to realize, okay, this is going to have a good end to it. This is going to be of value to me. God is growing me. God is graciously allowing me to go through some difficult things in order to grow me and make me more like his son, Jesus. Then that gives us to the next one is hope. And hope is another way of saying confidence. <clears throat> Trials, as a believer, rather than destroying our hope, might actually increase our hope. And I think God allows our problems not to destroy our hope, but to increase it. And, and it forces us, it forces me anyway, to look beyond myself, to see something beyond me. And to me, I think the ultimate level of maturity as a Christian is, if, is found in this word hope. That if you're a hopeful person, not wishful thinking, we talked about that last week, not talking about, well, I hope so. I hope Santa Claus comes and get, gives me nice things. Not, we're not talking about wishful thinking, but rather a confidence. My hope is built on Christ. And so if you give up easily, well, that says something about your lack of maturity. If you throw in the towel too quick, that says something about your lack of maturity. But if you keep hoping, confidence, even when everything else looks impossible, you are getting to the highest level of maturity, I believe, because character produces hope. So that sums up last week. So now let's get to the fifth thing. We did the four. You have peace with God, access to God, hope in God. Our problems take on a whole new purpose. Now we're getting to the fifth one. Number five, we are given God's love 
through the Holy Spirit. We are given God's love through the Holy Spirit. That's proof of God's love. Jesus said, I'm leaving you now, but I'm going to send my spirit. And when he comes upon you, he's going to empower you. <clears throat> and guess what? The Holy Spirit has already come. We're not waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. He has already come. And the moment you pray to receive Christ, he comes into your life. And so you can put your hope in something that will not disappoint you. You know, disappoint is a word that literally means embarrassed or ashamed. You know, sometimes a lot of people, they put their hope in something or someone and it fails them and then they're embarrassed about it. I, I've talked to some businessmen who went into business with somebody only to find out the person had embezzled them and it was an embarrassment to them. Even though they didn't do anything wrong because they were attached to it, it was an embarrassment. But when you put your hope in God, you will never, ever be embarrassed. It will not happen. You can count on it. So how, how do we know that kind of love? It's through the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit to show us his kind of love. Now, let's get into Scripture. Romans chapter 5, we're going to pick up, start at verse 1. Today we're picking up at verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, I've been there, you've been there? Before you were a Christian, you were utterly helpless. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. He came on God's schedule at just the right time, and he died for us sinners. We're he makes it clear, You're, we're sinners, and he died for us. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But Jesus came and died for a bunch of scoundrels. I mean, he came and died for a bunch of sinners, that's what he did for us. See, if, if you want to see if God loves you, you really want to know, does God really love me? All you have to do is look at the cross. When you look at the cross, you say, okay, God proves it. God proved that he loves me because Jesus died for a wicked person like me. And if you don't think you were wicked before Christ... Anything that is contrary to God and his character is wickedness. So we were all wicked. We were all sinners. And Jesus came and he died for us. Verse eight. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still in our wicked state. In other words, he didn't say, hey, you got to earn this. You got you got to earn this. So you got to start behaving in such a way so you can earn this. And God said, "No, that's not how it works. My son's going to die for you when you need it the most." 
he loves us and is proof of his love that he loves us is that even before we were believers. You know, a lot of people want to quote a verse that's not in the Bible that says God helps those who help themselves. The most quoted non-Bible verse. The verse, this verse says, God helps those who cannot help themselves. That's what this verse says. God helps those who cannot help themselves. He makes three references to our past. You're powerless, you're still a sinner, and you're his enemies. We get into that in the next couple of verses. So I was without power, no hope whatsoever. I was a wicked sinner, and I was an enemy to holy God. And in that state, that condition, Jesus died for you and for me. Number six, we have eternal security. I'm a firm believer that once you are saved, you are always saved. Once you become a believer, you cannot become an unbeliever. Now you might act like an unbeliever, but there are some people who don't believe that and, and, uh, and, I, and uh, you know, I've had a lot of discussions with some people that don't hold strictly to that and, and, and they've got verses that help prove their point a little bit. I just, I'm just not there with that. <clears throat> I, I believe that once you're saved that you're even saved from yourself and, um, and that um, I, I find some churches who teach that you can lose your salvation and when I would start digging in deeper into their theology, I discovered that it was really there as a means of control. You know, if I, if I taught you you could lose your salvation by, if you do this, 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 I mean, I was, I've told you before, I was on a mission trip preaching in Moldova and, and it was a Russian church and I was sitting there with my translator and the church was packed and, and I, I saw this guy in the choir looking around, taking notes and I, I said, what? I turned to my interpreter. I said, what's he doing? You know, he's taking attendance. I said, well, that's good. That's not a bad thing. He said, no, you don't understand. If you miss church more than three Sundays in a row, you lose your salvation. I said, well, that guarantees good attendance. <laughs> so it was all about control. And we see that in some churches, even some denominations. It's kind of like you, you do these things, you lose your salvation. It's it's. I just don't buy into that. Well, let's look at what Romans says again. Verse uh, nine and 10. And since we have been made right in God's sight, you were made right. You didn't earn it. You didn't do it yourself. You were made right in God's sight by your good works. No. By the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So when he says, we certainly will save us, we 
he's talking out there. You know, you've been justified right now by the blood of Jesus, uh, and just as if you'd never sinned. We talked about that last week. And, uh, and what he's saying to me here, he's saying, look, I saved you, but I'm going to save you out there. So you, you will certainly be saved. Your place in heaven is assured. So I was saved. I'm being saved. I'm going to be saved. It's all part of it. And in fact, he just proved in the first four chapters of Romans that you don't work for your salvation. You're not saved by working for it. But a lot of people think that once you are saved, you have to work to keep it. So if I'm saved by my works and I stop working, then I'm not saved. Or if I'm saved by faith, but I have to maintain it by my good works, if I stop doing the good works, then I lose it. That's not what these verses say. Since I can't work for it, then I cannot unwork it. That's what he's talking about. We will be saved. A future tense. <clears throat> Jude 24, one of my favorite verses. <clears throat> this is one of those verses you ought to hang your hat on. Now all glory to God. None for us. It's all his. <clears throat> and in the future, he's going to share that glory with us. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy. <coughs> Excuse me. He will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. Wow. Let's look at that again. Now, all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away or losing your salvation, and will bring, because he gave it to you, he provided it, and he maintains it. All glory to you, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy in the glorious presence without a single fault. Have you ever lived with the fear of, you know, I, I, my generation, we were, we were raised through guilt. Can you relate to that? You're always saying, now don't do that because you, know, you feel guilty. God's watching you. <clears throat> I think I had somebody tell me one time, say, you never know when you're gonna die. So you better be careful what you're doing. And man, for the longest time, I lived with a fear of that. I think I had a Sunday school teacher tell me that when I was a little kid, and that kind of sticks in there. And I started thinking, oh my goodness, what if I'm doing something really bad and that's when I die? And, and God says, well, I, I caught you. Sorry, bud, you missed out. I mean, I lived with that kind of fear. And so when I realized it's not man's opinion that saved me, it's God's word and understanding what Jesus did for me, that my confidence had to be in the God's word, 
And this verse set me free. And will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. So when you go to heaven, Gabriel's not going to come walking up to you and say, hey, you need to come over here with me. You know, a couple of us angels, we got to deal with you about some stuff you did. And it's not going to be pretty. Man, I'm so glad it's not going to be that way because I would have to hang out with those angels for a long time to get everything out of my system. God got rid of it. Jesus' blood was sufficient. You see, when I prayed to receive Christ, God put me in Jesus. And when I go to heaven, the reason he can accept me in there with no fault is because he sees Jesus, his son, and I'm in Jesus. And I'm allowed there because of Jesus. I cannot earn it. I cannot even maintain it. So what does the keeping? God, not me. I cannot keep myself saved. God does the keeping. When does, when does eternal life begin? When you die? I don't think so. I think it begins when you're saved. My eternal life has already begun. Before I was saved, I was living in eternal death. When I got saved, that got changed and I started my eternal life. Now there's gonna be a little transition period when I go from this life to heaven, when I go from here to there, but that's just a little transition. The eternal life has already started. From here on out, I'm in Jesus, and Jesus is in me. Once you're in God's hand, nobody can snatch you out. But what happens when a Christian sins? Well, that's understanding the difference between fellowship and relationship. You know, your, your children will always be your children no matter what the age is. Now, you might be estranged from family members, but they're still your family members. Nothing can ever change that. There are times when you might seem distant from God, and maybe you're living in some rebellion, but you're still a child of God. Once you're a, once you're a, there are two ways you get into a family. You either are born into the family or you're adopted into the family. It's only two ways you get into a family. Well, as a Christian, you're adopted into the family and it's permanent. So you are a child of God by adoption through what Jesus Christ did for you. Now, when you're living rebelliously and you're not living as you should, you might feel estranged from God, but God is not estranged from you and he's working on you and he's trying to get you back where you need to be, but your fellowship with him might be hurting, but your relationship is not. You might lose the joy of your salvation like David did. That's why he prayed, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, God's salvation, restore that. 
Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 10. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They don't give it to themselves. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Because Jesus gave you eternal life, you will never perish. Means you cannot lose your salvation. No one can snatch them away from me. The only person that could take you out of God's hand is somebody who's bigger and stronger than God. One person tried that once and he got kicked out of heaven. No one can snatch you out of God's hand. Praise God. For my father has given them to me. And here you go. And he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. So Jesus said it two different ways. No one can snatch you away from me, and no one can snatch you away from the Father. And to guarantee that, I've put the Holy Spirit in you. So why should Christians be the happiest people on earth? You have peace with God. You have 24 hours access to God. You have a dependable hope that will not let you down. You have a purpose in your problems. You have the Holy Spirit that fills you with love. And you have eternal security. So how should I respond to all of this? Well, Romans 5.11. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Wow. So now we rejoice. Every day is rejoicing. Thank you, God, for today because I have a relationship with you. That's how I should respond to what God has given me. Now, I'm gonna do our invitation a little bit different today. I'm gonna to skip ahead to Romans chapter 10 and read verse nine to you. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. When you pray to receive Christ, you're confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. When you're baptized, that's a public confession that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Sometimes we, we don't take that opportunity just to stand up and make a declaration Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. There's something powerful about saying that. And, um, and we're going to do something different. I want you to have the opportunity. And, and if you don't get up and do it, it doesn't mean that you're not a believer. Not, this is not show and tell. But I want you to have an opportunity to publicly Stand up and say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. 
And I want you to do that on your own. One at a time. That you just stand up and you just say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. And um, the way I'm going to do this, just kind of give it a little bit of order. I'm going to start over here in this section. And we're not going to go by rows. We're not going to go the front, the back. We're just going to go side to side. And again, if you don't stand up and do this, it doesn't mean you're not a believer. Don't hear me say that. You know, don't hear, hear that, oh, this means I'm not a believer. But if you want to have that opportunity to stand up and declare, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Don't preach a sermon. That is the sermon. You don't have to add any other words. You're just saying, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. There's power in saying those words. So if that's a declaration you want to make, you just stand. Say it loud where everybody can hear you. There's no order to it. You stand, you say it, you sit down. Who wants to start? Somebody just wants to start? Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. 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 And you do not follow directions very well. (laughs) But I love it. I love it. Oh, my goodness. That was so spontaneous. There's power in that. Did somebody not get an opportunity to say that and they want to say it? You just stand up and you just say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Anyone else? Well, I am, wow, I'm I'm overwhelmed. You just couldn't wait your turn. (laughs) I got to get it out. It's it's in me. It's got to come out. Praise God for that. So, for the invitation then, if you... If you want to be able to say that, but you know you haven't made that decision yet, what a beautiful time to do that. And I'll, I'll be here at the front. There'll be others here. Um, and so if some of our deacons, if you, I want you to just go ahead and make your way down here and any of the staff members, you just be up here with me. And if you want to come, maybe you want to come and you want to say, I'm asking Jesus to be my Lord and Savior today for the first time. Or maybe you want to come and say, I'm out of fellowship with God. I want to reestablish my fellowship. And we'll pray with you. So let's stand together. I'll pray. Some of the men and women, deacons, deacon wives, just kind of come and spread out. You just kind of make your way. <clears throat> Some of you guys come down on this side if you would. And uh, just make your way and you just come and just say, hey, I want to I make Jesus my Lord and Savior today. Father, 
I pray for decisions that need to be made. Lord, let people come and let them open their heart to you and let them begin the journey of eternal life today. In Jesus' name.